This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, a new era with a nascent futures benchmark. ICE Futures Abu Dhabi brings Merban Futures to the Middle East's newest derivatives exchange. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, Episode 88. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Seemingly without breaking a sweat and against the complexities of COVID-19, ICE launched ICE Futures Abu Dhabi, IFAD, this week with no fewer than 19 contracts going live simultaneously. The biggest contract news was the launch of Merban Futures, which looks to create inevitable momentum towards a Middle Eastern benchmark from the Emirates, sitting between Brent Crude and West Texas Intermediate. As to IFAD itself, before the weekend, ICE announced a rather stellar list of members with an elite group of 18 general clearing members amongst 24 top quality members overall. Over in the city of London, practitioners are finally grasping the notion the EU will be closed for financial services, as leading lawmaker Lord Hill notes. The politicians, the regulators and the market are now broadly aligned about the need to get on with constructing a more nimble, competitive, dynamic regulatory future for the city. Lord Hill noted that this week as the Reuters headline ran that the City of London was grasping that the EU will be closed for financial services from London until presumably the EU runs out of money, that is. True, it's a fairly empty forum for chat, but something has been established through an MOU. It'll meet twice a year, which ultimately won't actually manage to do much for the Eurostar premium status of the frequent travellers on that train line. The abject lack of substance in the agreement is demonstrative of Brussels' desire to bring London to heel and the UK's desire to break away towards markets where it is not impeded by endless nitpicking or absurdly skewed equivalence, which the European Union can rescind in the regulatory timeframe of a New York minute. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Results news this week. It was a busy week for results in the parish. All the deals were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Final results for the year ended 31st of December 2020 were very encouraging from Aquas Exchange. Membership grew at the subscription-only exchange platform to 33 during 2020, a 10% increase, and there was a 50% increase in the average monthly usage in terms of chargeable orders. More importantly, revenue increased 67% to £11.5 million, making the first 
heavily profitable year in the existence of the Aquas organization. Also still in profit, the International Stock Exchange in the Channel Islands of the United Kingdom, they announced revenues of £8.4 million and a 4.2% increase in post-tax profit to £3.6 million. Over in Nairobi, however, they saw their full-year results double during the course of 2020. Congratulations to them! In deals, once again, a very busy week for deals in the parish. All the deals were in Exchange Invest Daily. Can you afford to live without it, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not already a subscriber? For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. The London Stock Exchange have sold $4.5 billion worth of bonds to help keep refinancing the Refinitiv deal. That came, of course, in the week where the London Stock Exchange's share price was now down, I do believe, a third since its all-time high. Integration is proving difficult already with the Refinitiv behemoth. Hashtag told you so. Of course, if you're reading Exchange Invest as a subscriber, you'd have learnt this, well, the day after the deal was announced. Two years on, the London Stock Exchange is therefore borrowing like, well, one might say an apocryphal footballer's wife. They've built a huge instant yield curve across three separate currencies. And it'll be interesting because Nasdaq, ICE and London Stock Exchange Group have all now issued at the 20-year part of the yield curve since August. How interesting that will be on the macro to compare how the market perceives the 20-year issues of ICE, London Stock Exchange Group and Nasdaq going forward. Euroclear, they made a modest acquisition. They're buying a Nordic funds platform, MFEX, giving them a little bit more global distribution heft. And the big exchange deal of the week was SIBO Global Markets have actually become, well, SIBO Global Markets. What was previously a US and European-focused entity has lunged into Asia. They're buying ChaiX Asia Pacific, expanding their global footprint into trading platforms in Australia and Japan, as well as some tech development staff who are in Hong Kong and Manila in the Philippines. The deal, of course, brings with it the jewel of ChaiX Australia, and that therefore puts further pressure on the embattled Australian stock exchange. With the deal numbers all private, it's hard to tell what JC Flowers made here in owning Chiax APAC over the course of a number of years, but it seems they at least doubled their total investment. Maybe they eked out about 3x over the course of that ownership period, but clearly not a great deal more, which I suppose will leave the private equity owners somewhat disappointed. At the same time, it's a fabulous structural move, and finally, we do actually have a SIBO, Global Markets, which is a genuinely global business. In Cryptoland this week, some mention of new contracts coming all round, CME delivering micro Bitcoin futures, and the SIBO expecting to build out further crypto offerings as demand rises. Binance, meanwhile, as we know, they may well be under investigation in the United States of America. They've added some former FATF, that's the Financial Action Task Force. Some of the officers of that organization have been acquired recruited, I suppose one might say, by the Binance organization to presumably avoid or reduce orange jumpsuit risk. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 US per user per year or currency equivalent, 
You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In product news this week, the Bank of England, while we are now at the point where you can no longer officially borrow in LIBOR in the UK, the UK Central Bank was noting that artificial sterling LIBOR could continue for a decade through legacy contracts. The US is planning to avoid synthetic LIBOR, pushing legislation in New York to smooth the transition. However, in the UK, it's still going to be possible. So say we get a few years out and synthetic LIBOR is still quite the same. Outside, say, the upper echelons of banking, might it be reborn as LIBOR for a flourishing new career? Something like the interest rate benchmark equivalent of, say, Robert J. Downey post-rehab. Or will ultimately this synthetic LIBOR just end up being a niche interest for those hardy souls still playing LP records? Technology news this week. A Broadridge, they've extended their capital markets franchise with the acquisition of... Now, here we come to a confusing thing. I mean, I would have always called it Itty Vitty. Other people say it's Itty Vitae, which rhymes with naivete. Other people say that it could also be Itivity or something along the... Anyway, look, Broadridge bought some company or other. It's actually a 2 billion euro vendor. $2.5 billion more or less. You'd think they'd have managed to get their branding right by then. But of course, it came from Sweden, which is, well, somewhat the black hole of weird branding when it comes to many different names in the parish of exchanges. Anyway... ITVITI, or whatever it's called, holding AB, has been bought in an all-cash transaction by Broadridge, who are funding the acquisition through a new $2.55 billion term credit arrangement. Hopefully, that at least will see the use of the Broadridge brand rather than the awful scandal trash name that nobody could understand beyond, well, the greater Stockholm metropolitan area. Elsewhere, Backed, they've launched their mobile app for Bitcoin holding and spending. But hold it right there. You can definitely get it in the USA, I'm told, but alas, there's no sign of it in the App Store in many other countries throughout the world. So the rest of us have to wait or just be, well, subject to the digital divide of not being part of Backed. And crowdfunding. The equity crowdfunding platforms Crowdcube and Cedars officially terminated their merger agreement this week. That was, of course, driven by a UK antitrust decision. The right decision, I might add. A 90% concentration risk was surely beyond incredible that an antitrust organisation would ever agree to it. And given the impetus was to seek profit from these merged entities while somehow or other charging 700 basis points in certain instances for their key services, the realpolitik the reality, the truth behind the balance sheets, is that both Cedars and Crowdcube need to approach their businesses with a new mode of thinking towards profit. After all, legacy exchanges can thrive with fees at, well, not just less than 1%, often 1 1,000th of the gross crowdfunding levels. And what do they get for these profits that they produce? Oh, accused of being profiteering. The UK crowdfunding industry needs reform. Regulation this week, well, the CFTC, they're not moving towards any given Sunday of reform, as it were, because they don't like the idea of event-based futures. Prediction markets took another slamming, at least in the sports arena, as the CFTC decided to skewer the idea of NFL, that's National Football League, which is, you know, um, Tom Brady, those people, whatever, I don't know what NFL is, it's some sort of football game anyway, it's like rugby, but more violent, or rugby with more protective gear, or, oh, who cares? Anyway, 
you can't have CFTC approved futures on the business, despite the fact that Erisex were sensibly trying to apply for such a permission. Commissioner Brian Quentin's, well, he instantly skewered the whole concept, and quite right too. The CFTC have proven their analogue instincts, which belie their talk of being a modern digital regulator. This stuff, this traded stuff, has been in the public domain as a discussion for a quarter of a century. I know, I was writing about it online then, certainly in 1996. And certainly the CFTC are woefully behind the ball. Oops, sorry, sports pun. Which I suppose is a comment they would seek to sanction as they refuse to acknowledge the presence of the ball in the first place. How ludicrous. The CFTC need to up their game. Sports futures should be a thing. Otherwise, we risk pushing it underground, and we all know what happens when we get underground markets, ladies and gentlemen. Bad for all, bad for markets, bad for employment, and a lot of fraud. Career news this week, as part of the acquisition by SIBO in order to vault themselves forward to records becoming actually SIBO Global Markets, buying Chiex Asia Pacific. That means that David Housen, who's currently president of SIBO's European operations, will also lead the company's business expansion into the APAC region and has been promoted to president, Europe and Asia Pacific. The Dave Housen appointment is, I think, terrific. And also, it's a great news to hear that Brian Harkins has been appointed to run Bids. At the same time, that was slightly surprising, given the fact that Bids CEO Tim Mahoney was apparently making a long-planned retirement move this week. Yet, just a few months ago, SIBO Global Markets' own CEO was saying that Tim Mahoney was going to be staying with Bids for the long term. Clearly, long term in Chicago just means about three to four months. Over in Borsa Istanbul, someone who may or may not manage to survive three or four months in his job tenure, given how volatile things are in Turkey at the moment, Borsa Istanbul have appointed a new general manager. Korkmaz Enes Ergun was named Borsa Istanbul Stock Exchange's new general manager, replacing the formerly interned in the USA, Mehmet Hakan Attila, previously, of course, of the much-sanctioned Halk Bank. Does that mark a safe pair of internal hands, and will we therefore see a safe pair of internal hands moving forward with the organisation for the long term? Watch this space. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we reach the troubled relationship between Australia and China. More than 11,000 litres of Australian wine were detained in Shenzhen by customs this week as tensions run high and Chinese customs officials are slapping outrageous 100 to 250% tariffs on Australian wine. At the same time, while those Chinese-Australian relations were worsening, Beijing is eager to buy wheat from down under. China's purchases of wheat from Australia over the first two months of 2021 were 479.3% above the amount acquired over the same period last year. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, wishing you a great week in life and markets. Thanks for listening to this episode 88 of the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 89, logically enough. But in the meantime, if you'd like to keep up with all the business of bourses every day, don't forget, subscribe to Exchange Invest, the daily newsletter of the business of bourses, exchangeinvest.com. As I said before, have a great week in life and markets. And most importantly of all, if you're celebrating, have a very happy Easter. My name is Patrick L. Young. Thanks for listening.
This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.